Hey, hey, it's Monday, and we got a great show for you today, man. I got Rashawn Mack from Dalton, who um, is putting together the Right Excellence Festival this weekend. He's going to be on today to talk about what he has planned up in Dalton this weekend. But before we get to my special guest, I want to talk a little bit, right? I got a question for you. What shape is your circle? People talk about keep the squares out of your circle, right? But think about what shape your actual circle is. Do you only have one circle? Do you have multiple circles? Is your circle big or small? You know, think about the actual shape of your circle because I think it's important in order to go in the, to the places that you want to in life, in order to be successful, is to always, always evaluate the shape of your circle, constantly tweaking it to fit where you are in life. Those of us will meet people and we'll outgrow them. And maybe some of those people you outgrow should no longer be in your circle. Or maybe they leave your, your tight circle and become a part of your extended circle. But you should always be looking to improve your circle. Because if you're the smartest person in all of your circles, you're probably not in the right circles. If you're the most successful person in all of your circles, you're probably, probably not being pushed. But also, if you're not being embraced for who you are by those in your circle... Maybe you're not in the right circle. So you always, always, always have to evaluate the size, the shape of your circle. And maybe you need more than one. But hey, 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 it's the big baby. And I'm back. And like I told y'all, I have a special guest today. So. Without further ado, Mr. Mack, how we doing today, good sir? Hey, how you doing? I'm not doing too bad, man. Just happy. Happy to have you here, my friend. Right. I'm happy to be here. And so, like uh, we spoke earlier, I was made aware of who you were by my good friend Todd and also my Kia. So shout out to them for uh, helping us put this together. But uh, for those who don't know who you are, Mr. Mack, who is Rashawn Mack? Hey, yeah. First, um, yeah, I like to shout out my Kia and, and Todd too. They've been great helping with the festival. Um, I couldn't have did it without their help and the help of, you know, countless others um within the community. But um yeah, about me, I am twenty three years old. Okay. I'm from Dalton, Georgia, born and raised. Um, another fact about me, my family's been in northwest Georgia since slavery, so seven generations. Um, so I have deep ties to Northwest Georgia, like many people I know, deep roots in the area. Um, I go to Georgia State University. I left um, when I was about 20 years old. I went to Georgia State University. Um, I said that I was going to, like you said, change my circle um, mm -hmm. and, and and make myself a little uncomfortable, go to a, the big city and, and see if I could uh, do something with myself. While I was down here, I got involved in the politics um early on um it was at around the same time uh stacy abrams launched her governor camp gubernatorial campaign and i got involved with that uh, i was blessed to uh be an intern on that uh historic campaign and i learned a lot uh 
that was my first experience in Atlanta. As soon as I moved to Atlanta, that's the first uh, position I got, the first job of internships um, that I that I received. Um, I got a lot of good experience from there. And and ever since that point, you know, I've just had a, a passion for helping the community. Right. What can I do to get out in the community? Um, boots on the ground, grassroots. Um, what can we do to make the everyday lives of people better more so? And so, um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a graduating senior this year. Uh, thank okay. God. Yeah. Graduating senior. So I'm, I'm coming out of school. I'm hoping to do some some good things in the community because, um, like I said, I have deep roots there. Um, I want to make Northwest Georgia my home. Um, and I uh, ultimately, I want to carve out a place for black people in Northwest Georgia. Okay, that's absolutely beautiful. So, like I told you, I I don't come here with questions. I have a few speaking points, and I like to develop them as we're talking. So it's a more organic conversation and not some stage stuff, right? So what was it like adjusting to Atlanta coming from Dalton? Because I'll tell you, I had a very interesting experience going from Cartersville to Atlanta when uh, I left to attend Morehouse College. And I was like, I've been to Atlanta countless times throughout my life, but actually living it, feeling it, and just being a part of that community, it's like, Jesus Christ, I've missed out on so much in the damn country my whole life. Right. Um, I, I, I had the... I had that experience. I, it came um, from when I first got to Atlanta. It was a culture shock, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I had started staying in um, student housing, and so if anybody knows anything about Georgia State University, it's in the heart of downtown Atlanta. Um, and I'm really um, not. I was born in Dalton, but I really grew up outside of Dalton in Tunnel Hill, which is a very rural area. Um, it's Northwest High School if, for those who might not be from or who are familiar with the area. But um, so when I moved to Atlanta, I just got thrown into the heart of downtown. Grady Hospital was right there. I'm hearing sirens, ambulances coming all night. I'm 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 like whoa! Like in back home, I I could sit outside and not see a car pass all day, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just used to that type of life. So I had to get used to the fast pace. Um, everybody was moving on their own time. People weren't moving that slow. Um, I was used to people moving slow, asking how you're doing, things like that. In Atlanta, people have a mission. They're, they're going somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when, once I moved down here and I kind of got into the swing of things, I, I, I did start to get that feeling like, okay, I've missed out on a lot. Like, you know, I, just the opportunity um, that's in Atlanta, right? Like the feeling that you can do anything down here, right? You see people mm -hmm. just being successful, all kinds of people, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, you know, it's it's really a, a multicultural city, um, and I and I and I really admire that about this about Atlanta. So, um, just that it's it's been actually a very positive experience. Um, if I if I can just say that, an overwhelmingly positive experience. Yeah, man, it was definitely a positive experience for me. Opened my eyes to a lot of things, and luckily for me, I was fortunate enough to be on an actual more traditional campus mm -hmm. inside the city as opposed to you like y'all are no shit spread out you know office building here <laughs> class building here dorms down here like right by the highway type shit right. it's like it's okay like, <laughs> it's like right like hey, the first time i'm seeing funny story when i first got to atlanta it was uh i think i just i it was like when i first moved in i was walking around campus um with 
my current, she was my ex-girlfriend at the time, but um, we were walking around campus. She's mm -hmm. my ex-girlfriend now, but um, we were walking around campus and we walked, we were walking. Hold on, lost your volume. Somebody was calling me. Okay. Now we lost the video. Okay, we're back. All right, we're back. Yep. All right, great, 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 great. But um, like I was saying, um, we were walking and I seen this man. He was over a, a bucket. I didn't know what was going on. I looked over and the man was taking a a, a shit in the in the bucket uh, in the middle of the street. In the middle of the street, and I was like, "What the?" And he's he's wiping himself. He, he's I'm like, "Whoa, what is going on?" <laughs> I'm from Tunnel Hill. I'm like, "What the? What? What? Whoa, can he not? What? What?" And everybody's just walking past the guy. And, and, and it was like at that point, I think it was like I realized it, nobody cares what you got going on. Just go, mind your business. Go. Mind at your that business. point, shit got real. It got real. <laughs> <laughs> so. I can imagine there weren't many people from Tunnel Hill, Dalton area at Georgia State. So how did you go about creating a, a, a new circle once you left home and you got uh, to state? Uh -huh. Well, I think when I first got to um, state, you know, I, I, I you really had to have a sense of like when I first got there, you don't really knew. I didn't really know who I was. Right. So I didn't okay. know really what I liked. Mm -hmm. And so, like, finding a circle was kind of hard for me. It's like, I don't know what I like. I mean, who am I going to go hang out with? You know, I see all these other people. You know, you got the kids that are in the fashion over here. You got, like, the LLC kids over here. You got the frat guys over here. You know, mm -hmm. you got the super smart people over here. And I just kind of, you know, just floated around. And so, like, my first, I guess, few semesters in Atlanta, I spent really just understanding who I learned about me, right? Okay. Discovered myself. I had to do a lot of – uh soul searching, you know, introspection to find out what I like. And so when I did that, um, I was able to, you know, start joining social groups, right? Clubs and things like that. And uh, I was more confident in going out to doing those things. You know, um, I walked in there with a certain type of energy and that people became attracted to me. Um, I went to Democratic Party meetings. Uh, I went to NAACP meetings. Uh, I started engaging in you know, protest around the city, uh, you know, for Black Lives Matter. Um, even before last summer, um, I was okay. in protest with uh, a man named Jimmy Atkinson. He he was killed in Atlanta by the police um, about three years ago. And um, I just get, became involved and started seeing uh, people with like minds, right? So okay. that built up myself. That spit up a lot of self-esteem for me. Like, okay, I'm not, you know, this weird guy, right? Because back home, you know, I was a, I was kind of like a nerdy type of dude. Okay. And it's like when I got here, it was like, okay, we we respect you. We respect what you're saying. Like we hear you. We hear you, bro. Like, and and so that builds up your self esteem and, and and confidence, so to speak. Man, that that's so interesting because I tell a story regularly here and to people when I'm talking to them, and the reason why I ended up going to Morehouse was for some of the same things, where. I made good grades growing up, um, played sports, but was also socially active. And there were people who I could do each of those things with, but there weren't many people who I could do all of those things with, especially being black and living in Cartersville. It just, it just wasn't many people like me around. 
And after I took my visit to Morehouse, went to a Morehouse Clark Atlanta basketball game, and I said, oh, shit, yeah, this is where I need to be because there are so many more people like me here. And I can understand going into college and not really knowing who you are because you've kind of had to give the world a diluted version of yourself because you're not even sure if the person that you feel that you are is an acceptable person to be. And you don't want to damage the relationships with the people that you have. So you do that. You start creating this new circle and then you find not fine. You earn the opportunity to go assist in Stacey Abrams gubernatorial uh, campaign. How did you come about that? And what were some of the valuable lessons you learned from that? Um, I, I would say um, I, I found out, I just, uh, you know, I applied um, and I emailed, I emailed the man. His name is Tavon Blair. Um, I still stay in contact with Tavon. He's a, he's a good, he's a good friend of mine. And we, 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 I emailed him. He emailed me back and said, you know, you, know, you want to come in? And my resume was, was not worth anything. Okay. Time. My resume wasn't worth anything because I, I traditionally I worked in just carpet mills. Um, when I got out of high school, I went and worked in the carpet mill and, and went to school at Dalton State. Okay. Um, so I did that. And then, I, you know, I worked temp jobs. Um, so I worked in like tire factories, um, just any really any any type of general labor job. Um, and mm -hmm. so I got there, I, I didn't have the skills, right, that they were looking for. But Tavon, he was a black man, um, and he looked at me and he was like, okay, but, I, you know, every, you don't really have it, but I'm going to give you a chance. You know, he's like, I, I was that guy that didn't have a resume either, so I'm going to give you a chance. And that that moment right there, that stuck out to me. That it, it, it stuck out to me because it was like this this black man, you know, he got in this position and he reached back and pulled somebody up. He could have just mm -hmm. said, you know, I'm done. He, his resume, I look next. But he said, well, I'm going to give him a chance. And then he gave me a chance and I, I took it. Um, when I was on the Stacey Abrams campaign, um, I, I worked a lot in the, the grassroots um, uh, part of it. Um, we, we worked a lot with churches, uh, worked a lot with universities and schools. Um, and I got real involved with just talking to people, asking people about their problems, listening to what people was going on in people's everyday lives, the struggles that people were going through. Um, and that kind of started fueling a passion for me, like, wow, there's a lot of people, you know, that are hurting around the state. A lot of people, you know, that just go underserved, you know, and they're, they're calling in desperate, like, like Stacey Abrams, you're my last hope. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, and so that that kind of lit a fire in me to, to, to go do something. And there I learned the skills, like how to do it right. You have to you have to go to the people, you know, you can't sit up and a, a tower looking down on people telling them what to do. You have to go out with the people um, and, and feel what they're feeling in order to really make some, some type of change. Absolutely, man. And there's so much there that I kind of want to respond to. So the grassroots, I think it's so important to go to the grassroots because the grassroots is where the direct change happens. You know, a lot of people love to send their problems to Washington, not realizing that their solutions are right there in their own communities. Uh, like you look at some of the issues that we have in policing and holding uh, police officers accountable. It's not federal law. It's state laws and it's local laws that protect these people. But a lot of us don't know. We don't know that because the national story is a story that's always told. And if you look at the most 
impactful movements in our society. You think about what's happening. Well, we'll look at what's happening with the Me Too movement, right? We look at what's what's happened with the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. You look at the the, the women's suffrage movement. And even as far back as the Revolutionary War, it started at the grassroots level. And that civil unrest, uh, uh, coupled with more and more people being mistreated, being exposed for the mistreatment that they're committing and making it a making it something that people cared about, that's where the change happens. But you don't get the civil rights bill signed if you don't have the sit-ins, you don't have the boycotts, you know, you don't have the marches. And so often we want to send, we want change to happen from Washington without making the change happen at home. And so it excites me to hear you talking about the grassroots because I love the grassroots. And I think the grassroots is where the change happens. And another thing you said that really got me was you talked about it's important to talk to the people. How often do we see miscommunications amongst people, uh, differences of opinions, all of this polarization that we have going on in our country right now, But if you actually sit people down and you have a conversation, we have way more in common than we ever would have thought from some of the messaging that's out there. But also you get to learn a lot about a person. You can dislike a person. You can you can disagree with them fundamentally, fundamentally on how to live life. But once you talk to them, you at least can understand it. Right. And and so what? Why politics? Why political science? You know, that's, you know, I enjoy it personally, but what made you want to get involved in it? I mean, it's political science for me. I like the data side of it. Um, I'm really big into data. Let's quantify the problem. Let's okay. Try, let's put, let's put, let's put a, let's put a number with this. Um, and political, like these political problems that we're having, let's put some numbers on them. You know, because we often talk about what's going on as black people, especially a lot of the issues that we have is in our lived experience. And, we, and people always say, what do you mean? Look at these numbers. Da, 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 da. It's like, well, how can we quantify the pain that we're feeling? Right. How, mm-hmm. can, how can we articulate it? Right. And that's where the political theory comes in, because political science is a, you know, it's a, a social, a social science. And it does have a, a, a quantitative side to it. Right. So yep. I, when you look at the theory, it's like, how do we articulate our struggles, right? How, how mm-hmm. can we put words on how we are feeling? Because if we don't have a, 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 a vocabulary to express our struggles, then we, we're never going to get anywhere, right? We go talk to these people and we just sound like blah, 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 blah. We don't, we don't have the words. And so that's what I, I noticed. And I really wanted to get into the government, right? Like you said, I didn't know enough about my state and local governments, right? Mm-hmm. I, I need to understand how this system works that we're in. We're in this system. How does this system work? How does it operate? How are the, how do these pieces of legislation come through? What are the procedures? What is the um, the norms, right? The norms of politics that the average person might not know. Mm-hmm. And so like I, 
that's what really got me interested in that. And I feel like politics is an instrument for change. Okay. So any change that's going to happen in the black community is going to be a political change. Whether it's a political change within the black community, right, as a, as a, as a body, or the way that we, we conduct, conduct politics in the United States, or the United States politics on us, right? The United States force politics on us. I'll push back on that a little bit because I think that the economic change would be the the most lasting change and it's a change that will help us become a bit more independent from the day-to-day of the American political system because I think that a lot of black people are relying on the government to solve their problems. And this and this is not me saying a bunch of people sitting around on wet on their ass like welfare. No, no, no. That's right. not where I'm going with this. It's that people are looking for the government to right, right some wrongs, change procedures, fix things, instead of working to circumvent the government to fix their own problems. Because at the end of the day, if you got the green, you have the cash, you have the money, you have the assets. You can get what you want either through the government or outside of the government. I was watching a doc um, post-election time about how so many donors, they just donate so they can go knock on someone's door. It's not even about political affiliation. It's not about ideological affiliation. It is just so that they can have access to the people. So if we can get the means to the access and then we can also gain more financial independence. I think that is the step to the liberation of the black American. But I'll tell you, I really appreciate people like you because you like the numbers. You know, how do we quantify this? I'm a theory guy. I don't even want to work in politics. Like I was a political science uh, uh, undergrad and I love politics in a vacuum. Love it in a vacuum. But when you actually add in human behavior, economic ramifications, media manipulation, actual no shit good media journalism and reporting, right? You throw all that stuff in there, you have something that's already complex being made even more complex. Right. I just want to sit here and come up with ideas and let people like you go try to put them into action to see if they work. And I say, well, the theory is this right here. And <laughs> here's how my theory can work. Right. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. For me, it's like everything is connected, right? You know, there's a there's a, there's a a new field emerging. It's called PPE, right? It's called po- philosophy, politics, and economics. These okay. Three, these three are closely connected. You know, a lot of people don't understand how closely connected they are. You know, the government can't just do any economic policy at once unless it's politically, you know, politically, mm-hmm. politically acceptable. If the, right. if the people don't accept it politically, then it's never the economics aren't going to go through. Right. You see, that's right. what happened with the stimulus checks. Right. We should have gotten more, but there was not um, enough political support behind us getting two thousand dollar checks, three thousand dollar checks. Right. There wasn't enough political support behind that. And I'm not saying that, you know, 
you can just say forget economics, right? Because I'm a big believer in, you know, us as black people coming together and, and starting to use our dollar wisely, right? Okay. Starting to, to establish business and industries of our own, right? That we call our own, that we run. I like the word industries. Right, industries. Not just businesses, industries. Exactly. Get into the industry. I'm talking about like the hair industry, right? Yes. So um, what I'm saying, like, it's all, all of this is connected. You're not going to, you you can move up economically, but still be trash politically, right? You see this amongst a Asian Americans, right? They, they're very, they move up very well in society as far as economics, but politically, they're still very weak, right? Their, their, their um, needs aren't necessarily heard by the government. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I was about to say, yeah, they're, they're rarely even heard because how often, like up until recently, how often were we talking about Asian hate in America? You know, it was just not a, a topic of conversation after doing just a little bit of background research. Obviously, I think coronavirus and the uh, previous administration definitely amplified some of those things, but it it didn't just start then. No, it didn't. It didn't. It's just like unarmed shooting of, of black people didn't start with with um, Jesus Christ. I'm losing my fucking memory. What's my guy's Donald name? Trump. Donald huh? Trump. Donald Trump. What's, what's no, no, no. Well, well, yeah, him. But I was thinking about um, the shooting in in Missouri. Oh, now, Michael Brown. Michael Brown. There we go. Yeah. So it didn't start then, but the message really took off around that point in time. So you need the political, the economic, and obviously the entertainment to all be there. I just today, right now, I think the economic freedom can excuse you from a lot of the other political bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people, I mean, some people believe that, but you know, that's in a, in a, in a, see, and I always tell people this, you know, this, this society that we live in isn't guaranteed. You understand? Um, we have to, political rights are, are, are essential. You know, you can only do so much that the government allows you. You know, it wasn't that long ago that black people couldn't work certain places. Right. It wasn't. And it was because you have, to, there's, there's an element of politics you have to get into to even participate in the economy. You have to, you have to be politically allowed in, you know, um, if the government decided one day, say they just got in there and said, you know, screw it. We're going to get rid of all this. Well, I mean, what what, 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 what could your money doesn't mean anything? I mean, it only means so much if they say, well, you black person can't buy uh, any property. You are not allowed to own property in the United States, no matter how much money you have. So so that's when you figure out. Who's driving those decisions, right? Because we we find out how people vote for stuff. And now that's where you have your civil unrest. It's it's being outside of Mitch McConnell's house with your with your posters. Like, I'm gonna get on your nerves. How can I take money out of your pockets, right? How can I uh, uh chop at the level of influence you have? Anything that I can take from you, how do I gain leverage over over you? So you can now listen to me because that's all politics is. Yeah. You know, it's all a game of leverage. And unfortunately for black people, we don't understand the leverage that we have and we do not properly use it. 
Because we have a shitload of leverage. But it takes unity in order to in order to properly use the leverage, but we are all over the place as a people, like financially, socioeconomically, you know, regionally. Like we are so spread out in all of what we're passionate about, what we care about, mm-hmm. that we can't even focus our efforts to benefit the whole. Because there may be too many people in one place that are so negatively affected by it that they take a step back. It's like, do you continue to run your small business that may expand or maybe not, but it's yours? Or do you take the buyout? You know, if somebody wants to buy you out and it sets you up with a, with a with a tremendous amount of wealth that you may not have had from your business, but your business may have hit that two generations from now. I mean, it's all about what you. I mean, I don't think it's nothing. I think you know, there's a lot that that's a that's a very interesting question, really. There's a lot that goes in. It's a lot that goes in in you know, because we're getting to a point of this behavior in the community, right? It's right. a question of behavior, our behaviors in, as black people in, our, in the community, our spending habits, right? How, how, like when you get that money, right? There's nothing wrong with selling your business. There's nothing wrong. But are you making more business? Like, what do you do? Like, it, you don't have to do that, but everybody else is doing that. You understand? All the other groups of people are doing that. You're not, you're doing something that they're not doing, which is kind of keeping you behind. You understand? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I want to put this out here. Like, I, I enjoy you. I'm go- we're going to communicate more often. Like, I don't get to have these conversations very often when we're discussing and respectfully debating our political like theories and the approach to stimulating the black community. Right. Did you did you see where um, Tamir Rice's mother came out against um, old girl who was at the Grammys? Uh, who performed? Cardi B. Huh? Uh, well, Cardi B. Not Cardi B. She's one of the. She's a. She's a popular activist, and she. Uh, she did like a poem while little baby performed a uh, bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But long story short, what Tamir Rice's mother was saying is, you have these mainstream organizations like Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, and, and these people who are now becoming celebrities in, in the excuse me, in the uh, community, yes, in the community game, and they're making all this money. And she's like, look, we're, we're the people who are hurting right now. And we're trying to create change in our communities. And you come here, you don't show us any love. You ain't dropping off no real resources to us, but you're taking what you can get and you're getting famous off this shit. It's like, I want to say she she called her a clout chaser. Right. I mean, and that's what, it, it, I mean, and I've had this debate with people uh, plenty of times, you know, just about the leadership in the community, right? You know, historically the leaders have been the the pastors, right? Or religious mm-hmm. leaders. You know, there's no, there's it's not a coincidence that you know the most two influential leaders in Black history, African American history, were a Baptist preacher and a and a Muslim uh, Muslim preacher, Malcolm yes. Martin Luther King. There's no. There is, that's not a coincidence. We are a spiritual people and it comes from deeper, right? Because we're Africans, mm-hmm. right? It's deeper. We're spiritual. That's that's just who we are. You know, if you go to Africa, they are very spiritual people. And so 
historically, those have always been our political, our social leaders. They have. Um, but, you know, we kind of we at a, at a certain point, it, 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 got, it became it wasn't just about helping the people. There was money in it. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, they became so big that they, these these people like Al Sharpton, right? Like Jesse Jackson, you know, these people rose up and was like, oh, I'm a preacher. I mean, I'm a, we shall overcome. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what they did. You know, they came in and they, they've gotten Al Sharpton. He has his own TV show now. You know, Jesse Jackson, he preaches at everybody's funeral. Um, you got him. That's what I'm saying. And I look, and I think these, these, these like the Sean Kings of the world. Yeah, the Sean Kings. I mean, now they're, and see, but see, it's influencers now. It's not no, it's not preachers anymore. See, because we're not as religious. It's influencers, social media influencers. That's that's who it is now. And the young lady I was talking about is Tamika Mallory, and even and even there are some things in Black Lives Matter that I don't. I'm not a fan of. I support. Those, right. I, I support the sentiment, not yeah. necessarily the movement, right? Because now, don't get me wrong. Doing work in the community community does cost money, and for the people who do it, if you dedicate your life to that you still deserve to make a, a real wage, right? You deserve to make money off of what you're doing. Not that you're doing it for money, but you need to sustain your lifestyle. And hey, if you're good at it and you're going to pay me to speak somewhere, I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> but it's about, and I can't tell somebody exactly what they should be doing with their money. But when I see these people who are activists, are getting rich off activism, it bothers me just like when I see preachers getting rich off of saving souls. It's like, right. hold on. You're mm -hmm. supposed to be a a, 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 a representative of the people. You're right. supposed to be our delegate, our voice. But you're getting rich. rich. And you're becoming the enemy because you're getting access to what they have and you're no longer here fighting for equality for your people, you are now fighting for superiority for yourself. Right. And your family. And your family, right? I mean, it's a motivating factor. People want to make their families, they want to take care of their families. I, I understand. You know, and that's that's kind of the issue that the black people have always had. You know, if you get to if you get to move up in American society and get to get into the, you know, the white majority, right? Get accepted into the white majority, will you leave your people? That's what you have to do. You have to leave your people. You can't, you can't, you can't bring them with you. That's, that's, you, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the catch. And you have to, you, you, you move away to a safer neighborhood because right. if you, if you stay in the hood, it's like, what you still doing here? Are you involved in this? Or you got people hating. So now you get worried about getting robbed or being in an unsafe environment. It's like, I want, I can now afford to have this nice house, this big backyard and all of this space. But you've now taken your money out of your community. So right. not only are you not a source of information and wisdom for people there or a, a shining example for them to see day in and day out, your tax dollars are now going to support a community that's already financially sustained and doesn't need you, but you're leaving a community that needs you. Mm -hmm. And again, it's hard to tell somebody, hey, look, you can afford to go live in the nicest neighborhood in town and go send your kids to the best school. But, but you don't do stay, it. Don't do it. You should stay here so this community can become nicer. Right. And, and, and you know, it's 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 the catch. It's the catch. It's, you know, it's the catch, you know, about, you know, our situation in coming to America. Right. 
Like yes. historically, we we you Not know everybody else immigrated, right? They 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 get to come get into this white majority, right? That's what they want to do. They want to come here and be an American. Yeah, we, they, they came to America. They wasn't shipped to America. No, right. We were shipped here. We were brought here. You know, we we got this tag black. Black. That's what we are. We're black, and we're always going to be black. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We are the other. We are the other. You know, and we. This is just the situation that we find ourselves in, and that is why you know I, I really do understand what you're saying as far as you know economic freedom, right? Being able to establish our own, right, within the United States, um, and because we we can. I mean, it's it it, it it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be done overnight, but it can be done. You know, absolutely. And I think it takes leaders keeping their ear to the streets, people who are comfortable working in the system, people who are comfortable working outside of the system and those people working together in their respective fields to make it happen. But there's a few more questions I want to talk to you about before we get to to what we're here for. Jesus Christ, it's been 35 minutes. Hey, we got into it, man. How how was it was beautiful? How was how did it feel after the the results come back and Kemp wins the um election to be governor in Georgia? It felt like the start. I mean, to me, you know, we it, it felt like a you know it was a hurt right that she she lost, but at the same time, it was like the work's not done, right? Like this is like what she did was incredible. What Stacey Abrams did was incredible. You know, can I seen it every day in the office? And I mm-hmm. seen it every day. Like I sat my 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 desk, my little cubby was right around the corner from her office, and she used to come in the back way, and I she'd say, "Hey," and I'd say, "Hey, Leader Abrams," um, and but like yeah, we, I've seen what it took. You know that she went to 159 counties. If the Georgia has 159 counties. She went to every single one of them, every single one of them. No, who nobody else has done that. You have to, you know. She she wanted to do a monumental monumental task, so you have to do things that other people aren't going to do, and that's what we're facing in like the black community. Really, this a monumental task. And, and here's what I love about Stacey Abrams, right? She did what other people wouldn't do. Like you said, she went to the 159 counties. And guess what she did after she lost? She came back and said, you know what? It's 2020. I'm not going to sit here and just make book money and get all these speaking engagements. I'm going to get right back out here. Because mm-hmm. the work's not done. The work's not done. And look what she did. She swung an election. She got all of those people registered to vote. And here's the wild thing, Rashawn. We're seeing in, in our state of Georgia, they're trying to tight up voting uh, 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 oh. voting laws so that we so that they're so melanin's not as easy. They're going to limit, you know, early voting and stuff like that. And I go, hold on. So instead of trying to run better candidates, adapt your policies to right. appeal to the people that you're supposed to be representing. Right. Because as a representative of the people i can have my ideology but i should as an advocate for the people as their representative my ideology should bend to the ideology of the people that i am here to represent facts 
And what we're seeing is that, look, we, we already know this, that the, the country is more liberal than conservative. Mm-hmm. That's just that's that's fact. fact. That's just fact. Republicans haven't won a popular vote in a lot of years. Okay, just it's yeah. been it's over twenty. Okay, have not won a popular vote. And you you look at that. That's basic. But then when you see how Georgia turned just because Stacey Abrams' work got that many people registered to vote, and the mail-in voting and the early voting made people who may be apathetic about waiting in these lines because it's like, bro, I don't got eight hours. Like you're asking me to give you a workshop to go do something that is my duty as an American citizen. And instead of saying, you know what, we got to be a better representative of our people. No, they're like, we have to disenfranchise more of our people so that the voices that we want to hear are the voices that get to be heard. And it's bullshit. That's, that's real racism. That's that's real. That's systemic racism right there. I mean, because we know what they're, I mean, you know, when people talk about what is system, what are you talking about? This is what we're, this is what we're talking about. Instead of Cohen, instead of the Republicans coming to Atlanta, you know, where the Democratic stronghold is, right? That's that's what they're saying. They can't win Atlanta. They know they can't win Atlanta. And they're not gonna even going to try to win Atlanta. They're but the gonna- problem is... They can because the money's in Atlanta and their fiscal policies support the 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 big hitters in Atlanta, the 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 entertainment, the TIs, the Jeezy, the, the Tyler Perry. And again, I'm not saying these people would flip-flop Republican just because of uh just because it's it's bad public perception to be black and a Republican, mm-hmm. but Republicans, why would you not try to actually win the black vote well, and it, represent black people? Because it, it, because it, because they know at the same time, if they embrace these certain policies, they're they're going to lose some, right? Because they know they have racists on their side. They know they know that there's racists on both sides, though. Let's I see. mean, there's racists on. Okay, look, um, I'm not. There's racists on both sides, but overtly racist. You understand? I, I see it more from one side. I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, Republicans historically, right? They they are the right wing, right? It's just it's just the right wing, alt right. That's the it's the right wing. That I'm, well, that's what I mean. Like, there's a group that is a, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. They have more slap you in the face races, different types that stab you in the back races. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get what you're saying too. I understand what you're saying because they're all racist on both sides. I, I tell people that all the time. But it's you know one side's trying not to play racist. Do you understand right. that? You know, at least you could do is try not to play racist. You know, if you're going to try to get the vote. But I guess they're just like bent on you know keeping this group that they have this being like the safe haven. You know, because they would just have to not play racist to get some black people over there. Uh, well, but there, there have been times that I've been looking for a reason to go over there. Right. I mean, um, I'm telling you, because we're getting a we're we are no longer the, the left is 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 getting away from true liberalism. Right. And, and we're getting we're 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 getting too far out there for me. It's no, getting, I, 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 I'm, I'm a I'm a um I'm probably a, I would describe myself as a Democrat, you know, but. I would say I'm a very moderate Democrat. Um, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm pretty reasonable, right? Because I vote Democrat, but I wouldn't yeah. have a problem voting for a Republican if they were the right Republican, right? You, you, know, 
you know, if we're gonna split this thing up, right? If we're saying 50-50 is your is your moderate, give me about 60-40, maybe, maybe 65, no, 60, we'll say 60-40 liberal to to conservative over here. Yeah. That was, I'll say that too. I about to say, I, I do have, you know, some conservative values, right? Because I grew up in the South. Yeah. Sure. I have conservative values, certain things I believe in. But um, don't take all my damn tax money. Right. You you understand. Uh, and if and if you do, you know, let let's use our tax money efficiently. If if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, you know, I'm 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 not I'm not a fan of of, of prisons, right? Like you know, stuffing people in prisons, right? I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Um, I think more conservatives would be on board with that, you know, because it's really very expensive to keep people in prisons. It's very and it, expensive. And it's stupid because you don't actually do what you're there to do. We're not rehabilitating people. We're turning a lot of nonviolent offenders into uh, into violent people because they have to survive. So we, we can talk politics all day. I can see that. But what we need to talk about is the right excellence festival. Facts. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. What is the Right Excellence Festival? Well, like I said, I'm from Northwest Georgia. Um, I've lived there. My I lived there my whole life. I grew up there, and growing up there, you know, I always felt like the other, right? The other, okay. the other in my own community. You know what I mean? Stranger in Moscow. Right. You understand? Um, I didn't really feel like you know. It always felt like black people were just there. Like it, there was never a story about why we were there. There was never a reason. It was like the culture had left the area, right? And it was like, what what is going on? Because when I grew up, was growing up when I was very young, we would have talent shows and things like that at, with the community. And as I got older, it just dissipated. You know, it all right. dissipated and nothing was going on. Um, and so I left and went to school and I started doing a lot more research. And I, and I discovered this man, his name was Richard Wright. Okay. Richard Wright, he, he was born in Dalton, Georgia. He was born a slave. Um, but when um, General Sherman came through Dalton, he ended up going to Atlanta um, and where he got his degree um, and things like that. And he ended up going to Savannah and started Savannah State University. OK. Uh, started Savannah State. He was a founder of Savannah State University. And he went up to um, Pennsylvania, started um, black owned banks. Um, he actually his banks were only were actually one of the only few to make it through the Great Depression um, during that time. And so Richard Wright, he was a Daltonian that I never heard of. Never heard of. That's fucking crazy. You should have heard about him 14 times over. Right. He was a he was a great man. He was in the army. He had done, he was a he had went to West Point. He had done all sorts of great things, right? Just a great American. He actually helped found um Black History Month. Um he 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 uh, actually started Black History Week, I think, or Black History. He was one of the founders of Black History Week. Um, okay. And so he's really been, he, he was really a, a very prominent figure in the early 20th century among intellectuals and just in the culture in general that we never heard of. And I said, well, this is a shame. This man deserves a festival. He was an excellent person. Mm -hmm. He deserves some type of recognition. This is all, this all came at the time where during the Black Lives Matter movement um, was going on as well. And, you know, somebody told me, you know, let's not make this moment let's not make this moment turn let's turn this moment into a movement that's what they said that's exactly what said. let's turn this moment into a movement i like that and i and i when they said that it was kind of like okay we this we got we got to start somewhere we, we have a mon monumental task ahead of us right whitfield uh, i only can speak for whitfield county um 
But from what I can tell, you know, black people there just don't have opportunity. You know, opportunities lacking in the in the community and and with them. Exactly. You know, talking with people and, you know, the Right Excellence Festival has put me in contact with a lot of different people. So I've been able to discuss what's going on in these communities. And it's the same thing. You know, opportunity is just not there. You know, upward mobility is not is not there. Um, And it's like. And people don't know what what upward mobility even looks like. No, they don't. They don't. Like so like you think about it, y'all have, you know, y'all are a factory town just like we are. People strive like, you know, we see a lot of people see a good paying job as being a supervisor at the damn factory. Right. And don't get me wrong. There ain't nothing wrong with working at the factory. There's nothing wrong with it. Like I did some factory work in college. Right. I, I have an appreciation for it. But that's not upward mobility right and that's not for everybody at the same time it's everybody not. Should, if you want and that's why i was telling somebody but I mean, you're not getting 12 hours out of me in no goddamn factory no. this point it's not it's, happening and it's like what, what opportunity do you have there should be opportunity right there should be there should be opportunity for people who have the skills right hey like, think, think about this shit though think about the people who worked at your school not just the teachers the counselors the administration staff how many of them had left Northwest Georgia? How many of them had left the Southeast? How many of them had careers outside of teaching? How many of them are traveled, learned enough to actually teach. positively teach kids? Like I've said that. I've said that before. I've said that plenty of times, man. And I've I, gotten flack behind. I've gotten flack behind that from teachers. They're like, "Well, what do you mean?" I'm like. Dude, I know you guys. We went to school together. You went yeah, to school right. for four years. Like, what are you talking about? You don't know shit about shit. Right. And only, I'm, only thing you can teach is what's on this da- what's in this damn curriculum. But you can't talk about, yeah, you know, I spent I spent five years in California and being from the South, uh, moving to California, you talk about being dropped into a, a totally different environment that you don't know shit about and your views on society are drastically different than the 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 what's going on out there and it was it was barbecue or meal would do right right my mom told me this because i i want to be involved in the education system at some point in my life Mm -hmm. and i was thinking about teaching out of college and she was like well what are you gonna teach social studies poli sci major i love it she was like no 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 but like what experiences are you going to provide in the classroom that these kids can relate to? What are you going to talk about going to college, then teaching? So not that, again, not that you can't teach a curriculum and not to shit on people who to figure out at 18 years old, I'm going to be a damn teacher at 22. No, we need people who are passionate about teaching. But so all. So often you find people with no worldview, no no culture, and they have so much experience on our kids. And unfortunately, in places like uh, a Whitfield County and Bartow County, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't. You can't. No, you can't. You don't. You don't. You, you can't, man. And it, and then that that's that that's the issue for me, man. It's like the. I, the op, the lack of opportunity, you know, the lack of culture in the community, right? The lack of culture uh, acknowledgement of that we have a culture, right? Yeah. I grew up, I grew up in a town, you know, where they drew like 
swastikas and and nigger in the books, man. And they they all this people this racism that people are just now talking about. We've been going through this up there. Yeah, bro. We've been, we've been going through it. Like people just call you nigger for no reason. You know, talk about your blackness. You're you're the you're the brunt of the black jokes. You know, you know yeah. if you got white friends. You're the brunt of the black jokes. You know, you've been told you can't date this person straight to your face. Like nah, like my daughter can't date black people. Like, and you kind of look like ah, and you have certain experiences, and it's like, man, this community is like really it really needs some some culture. It needs something, some diversity. Man, it does. And it something. Somebody has to challenge this view that these people have. And that's what the Right Excellence Festival is for, to, to display black people in a positive light, right? You know, we okay. always talk about racism. We always talk about this Jim Crow slavery, da, 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 da. But we, we have a long history. We have a very long history. We're the oldest people in the world. In the world. We're black people. We're the oldest people on the planet. We have a very long history. We can talk about other stuff besides that. Let's talk about some of the positive things. You know, and I just doing some research in Northwest Georgia. I didn't know there was a Tuskegee Airman from Bartow County. Yeah, I did not know that. That 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 is amazing to me, right? From Northwest Georgia, there was a Tuskegee Airman. And Nobody, the wild thing is, we watched the Tuskegee Airman movie. And we go, oh shit, that's dope. He's a dude from Bartow County. Like he's he's from where you're from. Yes, he's from where you're from. You can be that guy. That's that's what movies are for. You're supposed to put yourself in that in that person's position. These people that we talk about, you're supposed to be able to to say, "Oh, I can be like him." But instead, we focus on all the negative. Like, how much money can? How much? How many more slave movies are we going to see? You know, Roots told a great story, but, it but damn it, man! Uh, and I'll tell you something funny. My mom, not a big fan of Good Times. She didn't let me watch Martin growing up. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I couldn't watch Martin growing up. Sorry. Um, and I, in turn, and I didn't start watching Sanford and Sons until I got a little bit older because, again, my mom's just like, I don't want you watching, you know, poor the poor black experience, the struggling black experience. So I watched a lot of the Cosby show. Sorry, yeah, I watched the Cosby Show. It was a great fucking show, <laughs> and I watched a lot of Fresh Prince. And then on my own, I found Jamie Fox. Even if you look at the the structure of Jamie Fox, you it's a black owned hotel that's that people, you know, yeah, they're struggling, but it's still black owned hotel. And you know, when all the it people come to L.A., they come to the they they come to the King's Towers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I watched. For me, growing up, it was watching Black Excellence and always seeing that and not necessarily taking in, yeah, Martin is funny, you know, but what type of value and inspiration do you really draw from watching Martin? I mean, outside of his grind going from radio host to to TV show host, yeah, I got that. But when you look at the Cosby show, right? Look at, look at, look at it. You got Cliff, who's the, the gynecologist freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Claire, who's the lawyer. Theo goes to NYU. Sandra and, um, dang, what's Lisa Bonet name on there? You, you know, Lisa Bonet. They both go to Hillman, right? Which is, you know, your made up HBCU. And then you got your spinoff, A Different World, which is one of my favorite shows. And it's about black prosperity and not, you know, black struggle. 
Right. And that's, you know, it, it's like you have to even, it's not just for black people, right? Like I'm doing this for the whole community, right? Because everybody has messed up notions of black people in their mind. And I didn't realize that until I got to Atlanta, right? And that's what I learned too. Like I, I remember one of my friends, he, he told me to pick him up one day and I drove through this nice neighborhood and I was like, dang, bunch of white people must live up in here. Like I, that's what the first thing that came into my head because where I'm from, it's not like that. You don't see black people living in the in the sub big subdivision, whole neighborhood full of them. Just mm -hmm. black people living there. And I was like, whoa, well, this is interesting. I ain't never seen nothing like this. And, I, and it's like, I never seen black people just hustling, right? Legitly hustling. Like I never seen, I didn't see it like that. And so like, the Right Excellence Festival, we're trying to, to you know, shed light on the, the good things that people are doing. You know, people, the small businesses, right? You know, our, our positive black history, like the Tuskegee Airmen, you know, Chubb Town, um, over there in Cedartown, uh, a black owned, uh, a black town, right? It was a black unincorporated town, like in Northwest Georgia that we don't get taught about in high school, elementary school, nothing. Bro, we don't even learn about that shit in church during Black History Month. Bro, and I'm I'm saying, why not? Why 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 not? You know, we there's Richard Wright. There's so many people that came to. I have a cousin. His name's Mel Pender. 1968 Olympics, Mexico City. You know, the famous when everybody did that with the Black Power Fist. The man that was from Dalton, Georgia, was that was there. He won the gold medal in the four by one hundred. My cousin. His name's Mel Pender. Nobody That's talks right. about him. They don't. It's it, why. It's like so. Why? So I said. The only way people are going to know is if black people tell the story. Let, let's, let's tell the story. Let's do it ourselves. And so I came up with the, the Right Excellence Festival where we're going to have black vendors, right? Okay. Black businesses. We're going to have black culture on display through our music, through our art, through our history, right? And we're just going to have a good time and just and be positive. Bring some, some people that have made it, made it successful and, and, and serve as inspiration for all people in the community. Um, you, I'm so happy you're doing this, man, because... It's important to display our black excellence. And one of the reasons why I am a big supporter of the 1619 Project is because part of the problem with the perception of black people is the way that black people are taught and presented, you know, like whether it's in schools or in popular culture and through the media. And when you're taught a skewed version of history, and that that makes black people appear to be inferior, right? Inferior, non-existent, non like you're not even right. Right. You got one page. You got one like, page. Like, 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 exactly. Like you can go through a whole U.S. history class and you don't talk about anything black until February, right? Which is crazy. We were all a part of the history of this country. We've they been here. They get the slavery conversation. Everybody looks at you. Everybody yes. <laughs> But the thing is, if we were actually properly taught our history, we would have more black pride of the people mm -hmm. and other people would see the positive contributions that we've given to this country and to this world. And they would not think as lowly of us because it, it's it's hard for me and you to say, hey, yes, we're college educated black people and we're less of an anomaly than you think. Right. They, don't, they hear us say it. They don't believe it. No, they don't. They don't believe it. Because they don't see it and they don't have to because they're in Northwest Georgia. It's Hicks up in Northwest Georgia <laughs> right now who ain't left Northwest Georgia, who consider going to fucking Cartersville, going to the damn city, <laughs> who will sit here and look at me and be like, I'm burning that nigga right there. He ain't worth a damn. He's what? I, man, I'm telling you, I, I was a uh, man. Um, 
he, he told me a story. He he was a, a accomplished man um, in Whitfield County. He was he worked through the schools. He was a black man, mm -hmm. and he, had, he achieved. You know, as you move up with degrees, you're supposed to get pay raises. So he yes. had achieved his degrees, and he wanted his pay raise. Um, and they didn't want to give him his pay raise, and he was told that by the people. They said, you know, your your degrees don't mean shit here. Like your degrees don't mean shit. Like you're not gonna, we're not gonna pay a black person this money. Shit, this black and, person get the fuck on. And it's like, and it's like, what do you mean you're not gonna? And it's like these people have messed up preconceptions of black people that need to be broken down. And the only way that I could see, because you can only talk to somebody, so, somebody so much, right? We can only have so many forms. We can only have so many. The 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 <laughs> most simplest way I can make make this for you is through a festival right where you just come Bro. and see it just look just look i love that it because i was over here talking the other day about i'm tired of people raising awareness like bro we're aware right like, we know but now now tell me how we can get to better so what all is going to be at the right excellence festival are you going to have any special guests yeah um my brother um his name's isaiah mack he's a he he's the first Black person to make it to the NFL from Whitfield County. Um, oh shit, that's dope, Isaiah Mack. That's beautiful. Yeah, he plays for the Denver Broncos. I mean, he and he serves a good example. I Man, my brother, he was a hard worker. Um, I remember growing up. You know, he said he was going to go to the NFL. You know, a lot of kids say it. You know, but he was out there yeah. in the yard. He would, you know, he set up cones in the yard. He'd run around, do the cones. You know, he went when everybody was partying. He was at home or he was in the weight room. You know, he serves as an example of what you're supposed to do. He did the right thing. If you want to achieve success, you know, you have to do the right things. You can't. There's no shortcut to success. There's no shortcut. And that's why I think these, all these people that are that are going to come show that there's no shortcut to success. There's, you, you're going to have to put in the work. And if you want to put in the work, anything, anything's possible. Right. Anything. My brother, my grandmother, my grandmother okay. served as a, a maid for 67 years for a white family, 67 okay. years, like the hell. That's what she did. My grandfather, he couldn't read. He couldn't read or write. But now they have a, they have a grandson that's in the NFL through hard, it, 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 the, through hard work just to see the, 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 the journey that our people have went on, right? And mm -hmm. to really appreciate the stories. Because like you said, the more you understand somebody's story, when you sit down and listen, you might dislike them or whatever, but you understand. You nobody can sit here and say that black people have not been on a journey in this country. Absolutely. Just not. the fact that we are here today is a, is a sign that we are blessed by the Lord. Right. That we are excellent because we, we weren't supposed to be here. To, to, for us to be here, somebody had to make it over on a slave ship. And, yeah, because I don't think we was going to be walking. No, man. No. And, it, and it's like you got you. I, I want to put that on display. Like, you know, look at the journey we've been on. And look what we can, but it's not just about where we've been. It's where are we going? Where are we going? That's more exciting to me personally. Where are we going as a people? You know, we can always write the ship. We can, we can find the direction where we're going. We have the economic power. We just don't know. We just haven't unlocked it yet. We don't yeah. have enough trust in each other. You know, we don't have enough trust in each other, but think about it though. Think about how historically we've been pitted against one right, another. Exactly. In order to not be successful, think about what got Dr. King killed. Fighting for the civil rights of black people is not what got him killed. No. That, that, that's, that wasn't enough. What got him killed was he started to unite black people and lower class white people 
who since the genesis of this country have been in, the, in similar situations and have been fighting each other where we should have been working together. So think about this. We have what happened over the summer. The 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 George, just, Floyd. George Floyd, the whole Black Lives Matter, we're going to care about black people movement. That happened this summer. Six months later, you have another group of disenfranchised people raid the Capitol building. By no means do I support that or I think it's okay, okay? Right. But think about it. Those are two substantial groups of our population who feel disenfranchised by the system. But these two groups don't even get along with each other. They're beefing with each other and not beefing with the system that has both of them feeling disenfranchised. And if you try to bridge that together and you have any type of success, every time you walk out of your house, you need to kiss your wife and your kids goodbye as if you're never going to see them again. Because right. you are a threat to the power structure that exists. And once that power structure actually feels threatened and not you are no longer a pawn in their system, you're done. They used to think King was cute. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, we like it. We'll give niggas a little bit of something, something. <laughs> once he started bringing poor black people and poor white people together and, and started speaking out against the war and the, and the military industrial complex of this country, all right, now, bro, you didn't say it too much. You're going to figure some shit out. Time, right, to go. time to go. Time to go. Take time them up go. out of here. Take them up out of there. Exactly. So I love what you're doing. So you got your brother who, who's going to come, who's going to be there. And I think that being the first anything, especially first black anything from your community is absolutely dope. And I, I look forward to hearing some feedback from you for how it goes. Any other guests going to be there? Um, I actually was going to have my cousin Mel Pender, you know, the Olympic gold medalist um, come. But due to um, some health concerns, he wasn't able to make it. So we're going to have my brother there at this time. But next year, we're hoping to have because this is something we want to be doing annually. Right. This is something that we want to showcase our community annually. I love it. And so hopefully next year we can have more guests come out. Um, we know we have Vic Beasley in Adairsville. You know, we have a lot of people that have made have made it in the area. Bruh. Vic, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you something about Vic. So I grew up playing against Vic my entire sports life um, from about the age of eight until 17, 18. Like, competed with him and, and loved Vic. When I tell you Vic was always so much better and bigger and faster and stronger than everybody, I mean, from day one, he was – what he is now and um i'm happy that he's been become what he is so where's where's the festival going to be at it's going to be at the north georgia fairgrounds um we we, we we we've taken the whole fairgrounds over so we're going to have it for two days march 27th and 28th so we're going to try to do do it big for you guys um hopefully we get the whole northwest georgia community to come out and and support um I'd, I'd love to see that and wish I was on that side of the country so I could have um, attend. Um, any vendors uh, offhand that you uh, want to shout out that's going to be there? Um, TK Wings, um, okay. Chicken and a Bone, uh, O'Shea Butter, uh, La Familia, uh, La Familia Kettle Corn, Dope Souls, Clothing Apparel. Okay. Um, I can't think of them all off the top of my head because we have, we have a good bit. We have a a good bit uh bronze visionary she's a she's a jeweler 
Um, okay. African wear. Um, yeah, we we have we have about thirty vendors. We have about thirty vendors coming, all black owned. That's um, beautiful. Yeah, so it's beautiful all throughout the northwest, all around the northwest Georgia area. So so we 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 went and found found them, and said you know we're gonna meet here and 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 celebrate. That's man, I'm so excited for this. Can't wait to see it happen. Uh, I feel like you're gonna position yourself to be involved in northwest Georgia politics. Am I crazy for thinking that? Nah, man. Um, Northwest politics for me is is, is more of a, a hobby, man. I, I I couldn't I couldn't I don't think I could put myself as to make it my career, right? I don't see myself as a career politician. Um, I I really don't. Um, I see myself, you know, using politics as a means to create change, right? I'm I, I'm all in, I'm always interested in putting posi- people in positions of power, right? Putting okay the right people in positions. Um, it doesn't have to be me in position, but it has to be the right person. And so I, I'm all about, you know, getting with like-minded people, crafting solutions, right? Trying to figure out what, what, what needs to be done. Let's, let's show, show it to our elected officials. If our elected officials don't get in line with it, then we, we're going to have to do something else. We're going to have to figure something out as a collective. Because like I said, I think the most work gets done grassroots. That's where I think it gets done at. Yeah, and politics can pull you away from that. You can be constrained by bureaucracy and all of that. And I'll tell you, that's why I have very little interest in being involved in politics because I tell people all the time, you know who has more power than your average politician? Tucker Carlson. (laughs) People listen to him every single day. He gets multiple hours whenever he, you know, throughout the week, every, every, every weekday. And not to mention what he can do on social media to engage with the people. And he's not constrained by the bullshit of bureaucracy. Right. And that's it for me. I I, I truly do believe that I'm in the same position. You know, politics is a very it can be a very messy game. Um, It can be very messy, very muddy. You get very dirty, you know, and I I don't need nobody pulling up all my skeletons. Right. I don't need no dirt on me. I don't I don't don't put no dirt on me. I'm good with where I'm at, man. And. You know, if it, if it's just me, you know, working in the community as much as I can, you know, starting building institutions within Northwest Georgia that support Black people, right? Support development for Black people through time and dollars. That that would be what I would do. Um, I love. It. Yeah, I'm I'm excited just for what the future holds, man. I'm mean, just seeing if we can bring opportunity back to the area. Same, man. I, I'm so excited for it. I'm happy that we were put into in touch with one another. I'm happy you came here to talk. Let me see. Is there anything else that I got written down that I want to talk to you about? Is there anything else that you want people to know? Because, I mean, shit. You, you. Um, well, hey, just come out on March 27th and 28th. Um, we'll be there March 27th from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. and March 28th, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You know, come out and enjoy the festivities. We're going to have tons of things for the kids um, and come get you some some good soul food and maybe a couple fish sandwiches. Well, I love me a good fish sandwich. Yeah, with I, some claws. I had me a good one the other, 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 other week. Went to a little, little spot. They fried a little catfish. They came fried up like my granddaddy used to back in the day, but it, it wasn't too bad. So, Man, make sure Northwest Georgia, you go out and support the Right Excellence Festival. It's important for us to make sure these stories are heard and make sure we are supporting 
and amplifying the excellence of black people so that the world sees us for who we truly are and, and not for what they think we are because we're more than what they say we are. Thank you so much, Rashawn. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I look forward to continuing to keep in touch with you. Mm -hmm. And also you're welcome to come back here at any time, man. Like I, I've loved this back and forth that we've had just a political talk, bro. Like right. it kind of, it kind of hijacked the show, but that's what I like to do. Let the conversation go where it's supposed to go. And I can talk politics and politics in the black community all day long. Uh, my dad, I, my, my stepdad, I know he gets tired of hearing it, but I, you know, when it's, when you got a fire for it, that's just, that's just what it is, man. Yeah, bro. Sometimes the fire that you can't put out, but hey, don't hang up yet. I'm going to close out the show real quick. Okay. Hope you all enjoyed it. Man, we had a great time, a great conversation. Make sure you all go support the Right Excellence Festival at the Dalton Fairgrounds uh, this weekend. Big baby, yeah!